The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. Imagine this. A loved one in your family has fallen and hurt themselves. They can't move. You call 911 and ask for an ambulance to be sent to your home. At least that's what you thought was the best way to care for your cherished family member. Now, you can't help but wonder if an ambulance will arrive, says Troy Clifford, the provincial president of the Ambulance, Paramedics and Dispatchers Union of BC. From the streets of Vancouver to Valmont and everywhere in between, calling for an ambulance and having one arrive in a timely and life-saving manner is becoming iffy. Clifford says it's the service that is on life support and we're sounding the alarm. Simply put, paramedics are in the business of helping people when they're having one of the worst days of their lives. Clifford says, it's the system that is failing at the bureaucratic and operational levels. It's not because our members can't treat patients. The union says it's so bad and is having a profound effect on its members that over 30% of staff are either off getting treatment for PTSD or still working while traumatized and seeking treatment. The union is asking for your support by asking you to go to soundingthealarm.ca. I invited Troy Clifford of the BC Ambulance, Paramedics and Dispatchers Union to join me for a conversation that matters about one of our most precious public safety and health care services. Troy, welcome. Thank you for having me here, Stuart. Is that too dire of, a, of an introduction? Like, am I playing it up a little too much? No, when I was listening to you, I really felt that uh, really that just hits it. And I'd like to say that's not the truth and uh, the reality of what how dire it is right now. But uh, you've uh, nailed it, unfortunately, uh, what we've been experiencing. And this is not a new situation. I mean, we've been experiencing it for a while and having this conversation for a while and it not getting better. And that's why I think we've really made the effort to sound the alarm. You know, that's a, what's sort of our our catchphrase right now, but it's so true that, you know, it really epitomizes what we do. We, we, we lights and sirens and we are sounding the alarm. And, and so that's, you know, the play on the words, but it's uh, actually more than that. It's a reality of what you said, these people are waiting for services and that. So how did we get to this point? Because, you know, I remember it was pretty certain a number of decades ago, you would dial 911 and an ambulance, I was sort of told would be there within four to six minutes. Uh, what happened? Yeah, so that's, uh, a lot of people don't know what happened. And, you know, really uh, people want to say, oh, it's COVID, it's the opiate crisis, it's uh, the, what we've experienced in the last few years with increased health care and mental health and addictions in the streets and, and in, in our hum communities around the province. It's not, um, I think people want to blame something, but this started decades ago with, mm. with increased call volumes, we call paramedic responses uh, call volume, so we tend to call, uh, which is a plea for help or emergency call. And it's really been progressing at 6% on average over the last decades, what, every, year. every year. 6% every increase every year. Yeah, that's the, over the province, every year we've seen a 6 Creek Union, and obviously that's higher in areas like the Fraser Valley, Kelowna, that are seeing more growth. I'll just use those as a couple examples. So really it started back then. It was amplified through COVID and, and the last couple of years and really exposed at how, but it started for lack of putting any effort into or funding into the ambulance service go, going back at over a decade ago right now. And, and that's really with those increased call volumes, um, 
increased uh, more people in the communities, you know, seniors in the communities, all these things. Um, mental health and addiction calls have been going up. Um, you know, we see that in the streets, homelessness, all these things that add to the amplifying over and above regular calls to shorten the, the aging population. So it's, it's been a perfect storm, if you want to call it that. I don't like that term, but it's been a progressive storm that's uh, really been amplified. So was it a political decision or was it a bureaucratic decision to cap this funding? So a little bit of both. And I don't know if there was ever a decision that I'm aware of that to cap, but there was no investment in the ambulance service to meet the, even the demands of the day and to project down the road. And I think it's similar to the doctor situation and the nurse's situation we're seeing right now is that the pressures on the healthcare system, but the ambulance service is a little different and our paramedics and dispatchers in that we're the the essential access per point to the healthcare and emergency services. And if, if you can't access that, the whole system doesn't work. And so I kind of say that's the foundation, but we do that dual role, public safety and healthcare. And that's where the access point, like I saying, is. And I think when we haven't got that fortified or supported or funded properly, um, you, you put the system behind uh, right from the word go. And that's where I think really, you know, in the heat dome and that where we were exposed and the question, the, the, uh, the response of the ambulance service and the preparedness. And I think the other part that really, um, prior to uh, about 10 years ago, we were moved into the Provincial Health Services Authority. Under the, under the Liberal government, they mm -hmm. moved us into a health authority. And that took us away from a standalone public safety health uh, discipline. And we were put into a health managed, bureaucratic, shared services, all this sort of stuff. So essentially taking a unique service that is a dual role and putting us simply into a health authority, which was lost in the big numbers. And I, and I think that's really affected our ability to provide immediate services and respond to the uniqueness of our services. So is the challenge that you don't have enough people or not enough equipment or is it both? A uh, little bit of both. Right now that the human resources, health human resources and, and shortages of paramedics has been progressing consistent with other disciplines, public safety. Um, police is seeing the same things, uh, but also nursing, and we're seeing so, so the health, the doctors, so health disciplines, health sciences, all these professions are seeing shortages of staffing. And that's been progressing over the years, but also private industry. So we have a supply and demand issue if you want to simplify that. Mm -hmm. And when, you be, when you're not competitive, so we're, we're the kind of people that the same type of person is trying to get into public safety or health. There's, you know, you're, you're a different type of people that you want to help. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a good thing. That's what drives our passion for caring for our patients and each other and the public. But what happens is when you're choosing a career, you're coming out of school, um, aging demographics and that, and you say, I want to be a paramedic. And then you find out, oh, we're 30%, 40% behind nursing, health sciences, police and fire, other public as safety. As far as wage levels. Wages at a mm -hmm. base entry level. And then you say, okay, well, I can go be a nurse. I can go to the RCMP. I can go to police. I can go to fire. And I'll be able to get a meaningful job in the tame prime. So when you're not competitive in the wages and benefits side of things, and that's been progressing over the years. And so that puts us in a challenge. And then you also have that part of the job where you talk about the precarious on-call reliance on part-time on-call model in most places in the province that, uh, you know, the $2 an hour paid your pay. Uh, Got to get you to hang on for a second while we take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back.
The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. I, I thought the health minister just came out and said that they were changing that model. Did I get that wrong? Well, sort of. What we were able to do uh, to try and mitigate uh, some of the challenges is we put interim measures in that were in place till the end of the year in October, working with the Ministry of Health that uh, increased that pager pay from $2 to $12 an hour in a temporary measure to buy time during bargaining to get to reeling, getting rid of that model. So it's a temporary boost, if you will. So let's explain this. Uh, that means that if, let's say, you're in... I don't know, Boston Bar or somewhere yeah. around there, and you're sitting around and you're not getting a call, even with the new increase, you're getting $12 an hour. Yeah, so and then you, so when you get a call, so we have our primary full-time ambulances, and uh, Boston Bar is a good example, they don't have that, so they're on on-call model. So when they're on call, they receive $12 an hour now rather than $2, and a temporary measure that they're in place till the end of December. So why would anybody take that job at $12 an hour? How on earth are you supposed to When survive? you do actually get a call, you get your regular paramedic rates. Which is? Whatever, whatever your rate is, depending on your experience and your license level. So it could be anywhere from $25 an hour up to $40 an hour for a rough range there, which is... So, depending, a less experienced EMR, if you will, emergency medical responder, mm -hmm. which is our recruitment Unfortunately, the PCP, primary care paramedic level, is our minimum standard for the province, mm -hmm. but we're seeing more and more because of our staffing recruitment issues of EMRs being hired. Um, and so they have a lower wage because they're lower scope of practice and, and training. So um, let's say they're in around $25 an hour. $25 to $30 an hour. So they've been sitting around for four hours. They get a call that maybe takes two hours. Yep. And then they go back to being on the on-call rate again. Yeah. I'm, I have trouble understanding why somebody would want to take the job. Well, and that's the challenge. You know, you mentioned Valmont in your opening. Mm -hmm. And uh, Valmont's a great example. I talked to the mayor there and uh, our paramedics there. And I use Valmont as an example. We were just recently able to convince and, uh, and negotiate that Valmont be giving a full-time 24-hour primary ambulance. So they went from an on-call ambulance to a 24-hour primary full-time ambulance, which is a really good thing. But they have a second ambulance that does out-of-town transfers and secondary calls. We haven't been able to staff that ambulance because of that $2 an hour model. And Valmont's a really interesting community in the sense that it's a resort community, there's very little housing, so, and there's also a lot of industry. Yeah. So what happens is they have a camp there, um, an industry pipeline, all these things. Uh, so you're an EMR or a PCP and you go to Valmont and we want to hire you. You come out of training and say, I want to go to Valmont. There, we can give you a part-time job that pays you $2 an hour and you backfill the spare boards on the, on the regular ambulance, the full-time ambulance, or you can go to the camp, work on the pipeline, private industry as a medic, and receive anywhere from three to $600 an hour or a day Right. In, so private industry needs medic, and we're doing a lot of industry in the province. So they're in recruiting paramedics. Not only are they going into other professions, these, these uh, industry, private industry. So we have a real supply and demand. And it really comes back to what we were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. our ability to be competitive in yeah. a market. Just in BC. And just in BC. Let alone in other jurisdictions. And then when you start comparing us to other comparators, to other paramedic, Toronto services are offering up to $50 an hour, Toronto EMS, for entry-level paramedics, which is 
it's, Good money. It's, it's $15 higher approximately over what we're doing. So we're not enticing paramedics to come from other provinces here unless they have a reason. So we're not getting out of service hired. So we're not getting every student that comes out of a paramedic class at the Justice Institute or private academies. That are being trained here. Yeah, we're training them. But, but they're, they're choosing, though they come out of the class, I'm going to go to private industry, I may go into another profession or use that as a stepping stone. So we're not able to, and then we're not retaining our paramedic because they can go, now you don't have to go up north to work as a medic in private industry. You can go to Hope, you know, the Coquihalla. Right. So you don't have to go for two weeks into a remote camp or something like that. There's opportunities all over the province. So we're not even retaining our paramedics. This is our second break. We'll be back in a moment. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. So what kind of pressure is that putting on those who say, I get all this, I've chosen this as my life, but it really takes its toll on those people who stay and then are attending to the, the needs of patients who desperately need them. So that dovetails into a couple things, and, and that's our ability to retain. They're saying the pressure that we're seeing with those increased call volumes, mm -hmm. so we're doing more with less. On any given day, we have about 30% of our ambulances across the province parked. And what I mean by parked is with no paramedics to work in them, even at double time. They're not prepared to come in on overtime. Those on-call members that are working just can't, they're not prepared to, give up that much time. They got to go where they can feed their families and we're all under a lot of pressure to meet the demands of cost of living and all those sorts of things. So the pressure's on everybody. Mm -hmm. And so, so paramedics are saying, I, I, I can't do this. I'm going to work every day. And you know, you talk about some of the metro areas in the lower mainland, when you've got 30% of your resources parked at any given time and you know that you're going to Put your lunch kit in the car and you're not going to see that till the end of the shift and hopefully you'll get off on time um, and then back the whole you know you don't get any downtime mm -hmm. so you know the models say that you should be about 50 percent worst case scenario of unit util hour utilization which means how much time are you actually on ambulance calls during your shift so when you're running at 100 percent or high 90s you don't have any capacity for um extra calls so you know you a lot of models say you should be about 30% of emergency services should be on task. Yeah. So that you have that capacity for fluctuations and, and, and you know, when a lot of calls come in at once or major incidents. We're running at high UHUs at times over 100% where that means there's no downtime. So that fatigue to talk to what you're talking about, that's what's causing the psychological injuries and all the workplace like PTSD and those sorts of things. Yeah, well, not to and mention burnout, that. fatigue. Yeah. The, uh, it's, Incredible pressure. Well, it's the nature of the work too. You're showing up when somebody is experiencing a tremendous amount yeah. of trauma themselves and you're having to deal with it. Um, it has a, an enormous impact on anybody who, no matter what their intention and, and, their, and their willingness to move into that career, it can't help but affect you emotionally and psychologically. Well, I know that personally. I'm a working paramedic. I've been doing this job 35 years. Mm -hmm. um, you know how passionate I am about our patients and this job yeah. and our members. I, I love working on CAR as a paramedic. I do it every month. Not as much as I'd like to, but uh, clinically, I love looking after our patients. That's what drives me. And it hurts me every day seeing how this is impacting our members, our mm -hmm. patients. 
and I think that's what keeps me going is that uh, I, I feel I have a, a duty to advocate for that and that's why I'm sounding the alarm to go back to the and it it really ha does affect you you know we know that we're doing a tough job to what you said yeah and we know that comes with the nature of our work but these operational stressors bureaucracies that are we're not talking about that bad call we're talking about system failures that aren't supporting us mm. and affecting our well-being like when you're stressed because you're caught in a hospital delay you can't offload your patient and you know that there's a call holding that's been holding for a period of time and that's somebody time in their time of emergency that pressure on you psychologically is incredible or you're a dispatcher looking at a screen knowing that somebody's dialed 911 and there's not enough people in the room to answer them and even give them first aid instructions over the phone wow. like that's what's causing our dispatcher cycle and they don't have any resources to send to those calls we know that during the wow. heat dome, there's still people off. That how tragic that was. They were so adversely affected, knowing that somebody injuries. died. Yeah. yeah, or like, you know, you talk about the coroner's inquest and, and how many people died during that heat dome. Mm -hmm. Paramedics were on every one of those calls. Yeah. Like I know one crew in the Lower Mainland that did 11 cardiac arrests in a 12-hour shift. That That's... And those are intense calls. Okay, so you believe that there's a way out of this though? Oh, absolutely. What, what is that path forward? You know, we're in bargaining right now, so mm -hmm. uh, you know, people will question, oh, you know, you're just trying to hype up and get more money for your members. Absolutely, yeah. that is a solution. If we can deal with the financial gap and the morale and the bureaucracy issues. And, you know, I think the, the biggest solution is dealing with the wage disparities and that precarious on-call model. We need to move to a professional, acknowledge the uh, work we do and pay us accordingly. Simple, simple thing. Mm -hmm. That's progressed over years. And in fairness to the current government, uh, you know, they've been investing a lot into the ambulance service and they've been moving us to a more full-time model. But what we realized is how far we got behind. And yeah. it, so, you know, it's not in the, in the big scheme of healthcare, we're a very small budget. So we're not talking a lot of money to fix the ambulance service. And by fixing the ambulance service, you're going to get those ambulances and paramedics to those people that need it in their time and need. And that's the expectation we all have of our service. Mm -hmm. We have expect when you started with how. We, you're, you're opening when you talked mm -hmm. about people expect to have an ambulance when they dial 911. I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation. And the feedback we get from the public, it's, we didn't know you weren't going to be there. Yeah. And we can't guarantee right now you can. And I question, you know, I, I have a hard time undermining the public's confidence in the ambulance service, but I think we have to remember that's not the fault of the paramedics. Yeah. They just want to treat and transport people in their time of need. That's what we do mm -hmm. clinically. We want to help you when, you're, when you have a fall. I don't want to ever have to answer another call when they, from the public or see on the news this poor lady in White Rock last month that laid on her porch for four hours with a broken leg. Yeah. Like that's like who, how does that not, like the agony that you heard her screaming, like the, those poor paramedics that arrived there and yeah. you know, and and that's not about them. The family that was there trying to help her, and the pain, and the outcome on that—it's it, just tragic. It really, right. like, I get emotional just thinking about that. And there's so many I hear about every day across this province. So to go back to what you asked, is it fixable? Absolutely. It's going to cost some money. Mm -hmm. I think that there's an opportunity right now for 
the Ministry of Health, but also, um, you know, Mr. Eby, he's, uh, he's done a very good job in the last couple of weeks of uh, yes. addressing uh, some serious issues around the doctors. And the current sitting government knows our issues. Yeah. Uh, they know the issues around the ambulance service. And it can be, it, we need to deal with recruitment. Yeah. So how do we do with that? We make us competitive. You pay people, you train them to the scope of level so that they can help the patients when they get to them. Yeah. You put the systems in place to support the resources. You deal with the remote and rural unique healthcare demands. You also got to put the teams and put paramedics in the, in the metro and urban cities with the ability to refer um, mental health addictions, seniors and that. So Because we know that mental health and addiction, the best place for them, unless they're having an emergency crisis, may not be the emergency room or back of an ambulance. But the problem is a lot of people don't have anywhere to go. Right. So if we can have those alternate pathways and referrals, that can take them out of the emergency system, unless they're having a crisis that needs immediate intervention. And that's the model that we're talking about with public safety, with, you know, the communities are talking about how can we have these, these psych, psych nurses and police. Um, but at the end of the day, what happens around the province is uh, the police and the ambulance are the ones that end up at these crisis calls, um, made it, and uh, we don't have the tools or the resources to refer them alternately. Third and final break. We'll be right back. And that's it. Oh. I cut those in afterwards. Yeah. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. So I suggested that people can go to soundingthealarm.ca. Yeah. What do you want them to do once they're there? So there's a, some support. We're really right now, we're trying to, they can provide some combat, com, they can provide some uh, feedback and comments of uh, their experiences. We're asking for them to support the sign the petition and we really are using that as our leverage with the government to show the support of the public that they agree with the needs of the ambulance service. Um, so, you know, it, uh, it's an uh, acknowledgement and awareness campaign mm -hmm. of where we're at and keeping this a conversation um, current because we need to put pressure on the government to show them what they can do to fix the ambulance service and ultimately meet the demands of what the public needs for our patients. Um, and, and that's where we juggle this too. We're, we advocate for patient care because that's how our par paramedics identify. Mm -hmm. um, and we want to be respected and acknowledged for the work we do and the responsibility we have in, in the healthcare system. Well, I've been on a couple of ride-alongs over the years. I know a number of people who worked in the service I am uh, in awe of the work that they do, the uh, professionalism and skill, calmness in, in moments of high, highly charged uh, moments. And I want, <laughs> I want that service to be there for us all for decades to come. Um, yeah, so, you know, thank you for coming in and, and giving us a, you know, an overview of where it's at, but I encourage viewers to go and go to uh, sounding the alarm. Yeah, and I think if you have an opportunity to talk, talk to your, your MLA or provincial government, that's where I'm reaching out to the new Premier. He's got right. a lot on his plate. And we can have those conversations with the right people. Um, and we're in this for solutions. All yeah. we want to do is do our job and help people and be acknowledged and, and, and uh, you know, and, and I think that will ultimately flow into making sure that everybody gets their ambulance in their time of need. I want that same thing. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for the opportunity to be here.